2018 taxes, everything's different. I'm talking about new forms, new planning opportunities. You're going to need a resource. You're in the right place with The Money Guy Show. It's Brian Preston, The Money Guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, The Money Guy. Went a completely different direction. No, you went a totally different direction, but I think it was awesome. <laughs> and you know, what it reminded me of is when you think about what has happened in 2018, it seems as though the tax structure, tax forms, just like the money guy, Brian Preston, have gone in a different, a completely different direction than we thought they were going to go. By the way, welcome to our new studio. If you guys are just now tuning into the Money Guy Show, this is our first episode ever in the brand new dedicated studio. Right. So when you come visit us in downtown Franklin, that's right, we're right above Meredith's Bakery. Right. Um, you'll get the dime tour and you'll see our old conference room that was both a conference room and a studio. And now you'll see we actually have a devoted studio. So it's kind of cool when you come and visit us. But here's the thing I want to talk about. 2018 taxes, mm -hmm. it's different. Um, I, I had this show completely designed differently. Bo and I had talked about when we were doing some pre-show prep, we said, okay, this is gonna be easy. Let's talk about planning opportunities on page one. Let's talk about planning opportunities on page two. Me, you know, then let's talk about schedule A, which is itemized deductions. Because it used to be easy. You could kind of flow through it. You kind of start with your income and then you had your adjustments to income and then you had your deduction. Like it made sense. And maybe it didn't really make sense, but we've just been doing it so long we were kind of used to it. I, I have been doing I did taxes for over 16 years, represented clients in front of the IRS. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of what was going on with the, the, the tax filing process. And then when I was doing show prep, I pulled up the new 2018 forms. Just think, I, I thought there was going to be a few extra lines. I thought it'd be like the 1040, but it's there'd be a like lot different. Yeah, it was a not. lot different. Go ahead and bring up the traditional 2017 1040. Here's what I think is interesting. When you look at the, the, the 2017 form, this is what it's looked like for years, mm -hmm. really for the, probably the last 30 years. There's been some changes, added a few line items. But it starts off, you've got your, your basic information top, your name, social security number, your dependents. Then you go through your income, adjustments to your income. Page two, we had our taxes and credits. And then you had your other taxes. That's where they caught you up on self-employment taxes, alternative minimum taxes, and those type of things, all the things you dreaded. And then about two-thirds of the way down the page, you had your payments. That's where you had all your tax yep. withholding from your paycheck. You had your estimated tax payments, extension payments. It was all right there. And then at the bottom, you either got told, hey, you owe money, or you get a refund. That's right. All here on two pages. So when a prospect or a brand new client, when they gave us, when I said, just give me your first two pages of your tax return, plus give me your Schedule A, yep. I could pretty much tell you what you had going on in your financial That's life. And I don't want to say it was simple, because I don't think anybody would argue that our tax code was simple. No. But again, there was some familiarity with it. Once it you was consolidated. Got, exactly. Once you got the flow down, you could get a lot of information very, very quickly from the original tax return. So that's old. Out with the old, in with the new. Bo, bring up the 2018 tax return. So here's what I want you to notice. We didn't cut off the bottom half of that page. Scroll down, Bo. Show them the bottom, the second half of that form. Oh, you just mean all the blank white Keep space going. at the bottom of the form. I think the designer of this thing was an owner of a paper company. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, look at it. It is now half the page is unused. So page one now on the 1040 for 2018 is just go have your basic 
your personal information. It's going to have your name, your social security number, and your dependents, and your signature line. So they brought page two to page one on the signature. Right. No other information besides your personal information. Page two, it's just going to kind of be a summary of what you had going on, whether it's your income, your wages, and then basically if you overpaid or if you're getting a refund, right. it's all right there. And if, if there's a whole Q&A that the IRS you know, provided, because people say, well, why, why did they redesign the forms completely? And they said, well, look, we wanted, instead of having a 1040EZ, instead of having a 1040A, instead of having a 1040, right. we want to have just one form that had the flexibility for us, the, the building blocks for us to make changes so they in the wanted future. Everyone who files, no matter someone starting out or someone who's got the crazy complicated tax situation, to start with the same base is right. what they were hoping for. So it's the same, they, and their terminology was building blocks. Building blocks. They okay. want everybody to have the same building blocks, so it doesn't matter if you're super sophisticated or ultra easy, you're going to file the first two pages. Okay. Perfect. So that, that kind of makes sense. I just don't understand the spacing and the blankness at the bottom of the pages. So and then here's what here's where additional details added because in addition to changing form 1040, they now added schedule one, two, three, four, five, six. Now, Brian, you must be confused because I know schedules and there's like schedules A and B and schedules have numbers. They're yeah. like schedule no, A, no, no. B, C, we, we've D, added e. schedule one, two, three, four, five, and six. And I want to kind of go through each of these really quick, kind of okay. give you a tour. So schedule one, if you could pull that up, is the additional income and adjustments to income. Now what you'll notice is this stuff looks like the old 1040 page one. You gotta have your additional income, that's your refunds, that's your business income, capital gains, those type of things. And then you'll also have adjustments to income. Right. This is all the stuff at the bottom, like educator expenses, the, the IRA contribution, your IRA deduction, your student loan interest, yep. all those things you're used to. But instead of being on page one at the bottom half of the return of your 1040, it's going to be Schedule 1. And that's all Schedule 1 is, is those two pieces, uh, actual income and the adjustments in income. And that, and that used to be the bottom of the page 1040. So that, and, and at least it takes up two-thirds of the page. Because <laughs> when you see Schedule 2 with the title of Tax, this one cracks me up. I mean, this one, they couldn't, they couldn't have brought this and made Schedule 1 Schedule one and two combined because yeah, or just call when you see this different. form, all that's on this form called tax, schedule two, is alternative minimum tax and then the excess premium return where if you made too much money with the Affordable Care mm -hmm. Act, you know, because you're getting credits on your, your insurance premiums, if you made too much money, this is where you'd pay it back right. plus your alternative minimum tax. This is going to be your least favorite form if you're doing your taxes, sure. I would think, because this means... Uh, you're in uh-oh land. So not everyone is going to, so everyone is going to have the, the first page of the 1040. Uh, most folks are going to have schedule one. They're going to have some sort of income or adjusted income. Yes. Uh, but not everyone's going to have schedule two. That's one that may or may not flow. I think the majority return. of people will not have will not schedule have two. That. Okay. Schedule three is going to be non-refundable credits. When you look at schedule three, this is where, uh, this was typically about a third of the way down on page two of the two, of the 2017 and before 1040s. Okay. Because this is where you get your foreign tax credits, yep. your child tax credits, which are going to be huge mm -hmm. under the new tax legislation, retirement savings credit, the residential energy credit, if you made some improvements on your house, all that stuff, this is, the, this is going to be a favorite. And you said non-refundable credits, right? Yes, this is non-refundable credits. So non-refundable credits. credits, just a quick recap of what that is. What's the difference in that refundable and non That means if you don't have enough income to generate um, the taxes 
these credits cannot be refunded to you. Meaning that if, say you have a child tax credit. Now, that, that's what's, in, what's interesting. That means it must, the child tax credit must be also listed somewhere else. It is because there's a portion of it that's refundable, portion of it that's not that's refundable. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think what they did is, I was reading an article on this, they made the math so that the, essentially it works out the same as it has previously, even though the child tax credit doubled year over year. So, so yeah, so it's, it's going to probably through. show up in yep. multiple places. So, but this is your non-refundable credits, meaning that if you don't pay enough taxes, they will not generate an additional refund just from the credits. Um, number four, Schedule Four, was other taxes. This is where you're going to have your self-employment tax. Yep. This is where you're going to have underreported Social Security and Medicare taxes and things like that. Additional taxes on your IRAs, um, like your your early withdrawal penalties, mm -hmm. things no-go land that you don't want to be in. And then household employees. If you have a, an employee, or a you know, a cleaning service, something like that, this is where you pay all that. So it's kind of interesting. Schedule Four is those other taxes. And then Schedule 5, this looks like the bottom of page 2 of, right. your, of your original 1040, which was other payments and refundable credits. Now, this is, this is where you got the child tax credits mm -hmm. and the, as well as your payments, estimated tax payments, yep. all the things you're taking credit for. And then 2016 is pretty much another nothing burger. This is if you have um, your Schedule 6 is foreign address and third-party designee. Now, I was curious, all the tax preparers out there, I said, I wonder if they're automatically completing this because it used to be just a box that you would want to give your tax, tax preparer permission to talk to the IRS if there was ever a discrepancy. So I, I've got to believe a lot of people who use paid tax preparers will, will probably be competing completing Schedule 6. So, okay, so we've gone through these six schedules that follow the initial page. And it, unless I'm missing something, it doesn't sound to me like there was anything on those six pages that was not previously contained on the first two pages of the 1040. That's pretty true. So all we really did was just spread them out. It's not like we added anything or changed anything. The operation behind some of the lines might have changed, but the lines themselves are the same as it was. It's just now we have six pages instead of two. Is, yeah. that, my, is that my point? I mean, that, that is a pretty true statement. And here's the other thing I thought was interesting. And you kind of said this in the beginning, Bo, is that we added schedule one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm -hmm. I get, okay, if we're simplifying the process, we have pages one and two. Page one is just mm -hmm. the basically your personal information. Page sure. two is actually a summary of all the things. And then you have the schedules one through six. That's probably it if that's all you're filing. Right. Here's the crazy part. There's still a Schedule A, which is itemized, itemized deductions. There's yep. still a Schedule B for your interest and dividends. There's still a Schedule C if you have self-employment income. There's still a, still a Schedule D for capital gains transactions. There's still a Schedule E if you have flow-through income yep. from a K-1 or rental property. There's still a Schedule F if you have farm income. I think it's madness. So, so – We've added six new schedules, but we kept all the old schedules we still had with the previous tax filing forms. So, like I said, we're just doing a tour, and then we're going to get into the planning opportunities that we see with the 2018 okay. tax code. But um, this is not for somebody who wanted to consolidate this thing. Remember, they, I heard a lot of our elected officials talk about how they wanted this on a postage, you know, a postcard. A postcard, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if they wanted each top of the page to be <laughs> postcard eligible, but 
I don't know that we headed towards postcard territory right. by adding all these different schedules. And it's just kind of out there a little bit to me. I did want to talk about itemized deductions. Schedule A changed um, a, a bit too. I would say it changed a lot because yeah. uh, there was a bit, uh, well, I mean, there was a huge big change that took place that the standard deduction, you know, I think a lot of folks who previously were itemizing are probably going to be in the place now where they might not be itemizing anymore. There's going to be a lot more of you that are going to take the standard deduction rather than itemizing. Because as, as Bo explained, what used to be like a $12,000 standard deduction has gone to 24000 right. for married couples. Single individuals is $12,000. That's substantially higher. Now, what has gone away is that your personal exemptions. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were a person that had four kids, yeah. five kids, you got to count a personal exemption on every one of those. It was like $4,050, I it, think. It's yeah. all, that's all consolidated into the process now. So um, that, that has gone away. Um, and that leads to Schedule A, which is your itemized deductions. Few of you are going to need this form, but I want to kind of tell you the things that have changed and the things to pay attention mm -hmm. to. And this is, we're starting to get into the planning This is the planning stuff. The, the, so all that beginning stuff was just kind of the logistics. That was a tour of what's yeah. really changed. So here's what I think is interesting on, like when you look at your itemized deduction schedule, you'll notice medical is always at the very tippity right. top. And when we had the last tax reform or, or update to the tax code, I was kind of disappointed that medical expenses, because it's always, I still, and this bothers me, I will tell you personally, I don't like that they do this. Medical expenses, you don't get to deduct unless they exceed a certain threshold of your income, and that percentage changes. That's right. Um, under, over the past, it used to be 7.5%. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a standard for many, many years. And then, you know, within the last decade, um, it went to 10%. So even if so even if you had medical expenses throughout the course of a year, you would have to those expenses in total would have to be greater than 7.5%. Let's give an example. It's going to be easier yeah. with an example. If your total income is $100,000, in the past, if your medical expenses didn't exceed $10,000, mm -hmm. none of your medical expenses right. were deductible. And where did I come up with that $10,000? It was because it was 10% of your total right. income. So the threshold for deductible medical expenses was it had to exceed 10% of your adjusted gross That's income right. before it was deductible. That number has now gone down to 7.5%. So the same person that makes $100,000 or a couple, yep. now that number is $7,500. So same example, if you had somebody who had exactly $10,000 of medical expenses, in the past, they wouldn't get to deduct any of them right. because they didn't exceed $10,000. Now, in 2018... They would they get to deduct twenty five hundred dollars of medical right. expenses because the threshold went down to seven and a half percent. So for years where you have big medical expenses, uh, it's it's pretty significant. I think that'll make a difference for a lot of folks. So let's move on to something that some people are not going to like as much, and that's the the taxes you paid. That that may be the most. Um watered down version. I've heard anyone say that because I know a lot of folks who are just really fired up about this because there's some huge tax implications to it. Yeah, it's, it's the SALT limitation. Mm -hmm. the, the, the state and local taxes right. have now been capped at $10,000. Yep. Um, so if you live in a low tax state where your property taxes um, are low, mm -hmm. you state don't have tax. high you know, sales taxes, you don't have any income taxes in your state, this doesn't impact you. That's right. Unfortunately, if you live on, it's, it's on the west and the, the east coast, higher tax states, 
you got crushed by this. Yeah, now, sure. I will tell you, fortunately, I want to tell everybody to take a deep breath because I had a client in Virginia mm-hmm. that they were really panicked about this. Sure. Did some tax projections for them, and the savings from the tax rates, because remember, everybody's tax rates went down right. even with the loss of the, the local taxes, or the cap, I should mm-hmm. say, of $10,000. When we did a tax projection for them at the end of last year, it still showed that there was some tax savings. Yep. So I want you to take a deep breath. Some of you still might benefit from the revised tax policy because just the lower tax rates. That's right. But there are some of you, especially if you're a higher income person in a higher state income tax area, you're going to feel this. You're going to feel this one. Sure. So, so just pay attention to that. That is a big change that has occurred. Um, interest you paid, uh, you know, we're not going to get into the details because it's kind of past, but the, what is deductible mortgage interest mm-hmm. on new homes has changed. Yep. Um, your mortgage lender, your real estate agent is going to explain that because if you were grandfathered in, you know, if you had an older loan, mm-hmm. that stuff didn't really get impacted, yeah. but it's only primarily for newer people that came in. So pay attention to, to the interest you paid. Otherwise, there was not that big of a change That's on right. that. Gifts to charity. Because of, this is a planning opportunity. Nothing really changed on gifts to charity, but you do need to think change the way you think about That's gifts exactly to charity. Right. Um, and we're going to come back to QCD in a minute. Yeah. Too. I don't, I don't want to move past that completely. But gifts to charity, because of the standard deduction being twice what it used to be, there's a good chance you give to church or give to your favorite charity, you might not get to itemize like you did. Not unless that and all your other deductions are greater than $24,000 for a married couple or $12,000 for an individual. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't consider lumping, Mm -hmm. you know, or or grouping your your charitable contributions. And if you want to keep the cash flows consistent to your favorite charities, I always tell people, go look at some of those charitable gift funds that you see at Charles Schwab, Fidelity Investments. They have charitable gift funds where you can contribute to their charitable gift funds Take the deduction in the year. That's how you're going to do the grouping. And then you control the cash flow of when you want to disperse those, those gifts or those you know, benefits to the charities that you, that you so want to support. That's exactly right. Um, I had it on here. Keep me on pace, Bo. Yeah, yeah. Qualified charitable distributions. Yeah, Is this right. the time to talk yeah, about it or do we do it later? No, it's huge. QCDs are a huge, huge opportunity uh, that have been around for a while, but in 2018, I think they're going to be even more valuable because of how the standard deduction changed. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing, we'll come back to it. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit sure. more, but that's, that's probably a great place to leave it. Another big thing you'll probably notice on the Schedule A of what has disappeared from this form. The big part is, is your investment advisory fees, your tax prep fees. Safe deposit box. Um, your safety deposit box. Your unreimbursed employee expenses. So all my salesmen out there, they're driving 40,000 miles a year. You're feeling this. Uh And the fact that your miscellaneous itemized deductions are completely gone off of Schedule A. Um, If your employer, if you are one of these people that has huge deductions from those unreimbursed employee expenses, you might need to be having a discussion with your employer because you're probably recognizing that on your tax return. Be, yep, that's that's huge. Hit. So that, that there needs to be some discussion on that. Um, I want to talk about some areas of focus on how to, to maximize the tax changes that have occurred. 
We've already mentioned some of them. You know, a really easy one is looking at grouping charitable contributions or being reticent of what you have and miscellaneous deductions and how you might be able to restructure that. But there are even some things that you can do that don't just affect Schedule A. They actually shift to some of the what used to be the front page of the 1040. Now it can be one of the front six schedules of the 1040. So the first area, and, I, and you guys are going to know this because we talk about it all the time, I think the biggest legal tax loophole, I use the word loophole, mm -hmm. but I did put the word legal in front of it, is retirement savings. Yes. Your W2, this is the time, and I know not all this can be adjusted for, for last year, mm -hmm. but this is the perfect time to look at it for 2019 too, is look at those W2 reductions mm -hmm. because that stuff is going to be huge. If you, if you have an employer plan, make sure you give that a look. Yeah. You know, if the, if the very first thing you have to put in your tax return is what your income is, what your total W2 wages are, the single best thing you can try to do is get that number as small as possible. And the number one best way to get that number as small as possible is by deferring into your retirement plan. If you're doing pre-tax. Now, if you're doing Roth, it's a little bit different, but it's a great way to decrease what you're paying in income Even tax. those people that are impacted by the cap on salt, on mm -hmm. the so local taxes, they could benefit by maybe looking at That's lowering exactly right. their taxable income. Look at deferred comp. Maybe mm -hmm. you're an executive, you have somebody and you've got offered an additional package of deferred compensation yep. or something like that. It's worth looking into. And then of course there's the adjustments to income like your traditional IRA, your SEP IRA. For all my people that have side hustles or businesses where they have self-employment income, you can still, with a SEP IRA, go back in time. I know That's we've right. done other shows, we've talked about that, but it is such a powerful thing that it's one of the few benefits where you figure out an uh-oh, my taxes are bigger than I thought I would. You, what can I do? You can still go back to your 2018 taxes and lower them by doing a SEP IRA that's right. if you have the yeah. right type of income. And all that's going to be Schedule 1 stuff. Everything we just talked about is going to be stuff that shows up on Schedule 1, right? That's exactly right. Um, I also want to talk about HSAs. Oh, yeah. Health savings accounts. Man, these things get us excited because they are triple tax advantaged. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just rolls off the tongue so nicely. When I talk about triple tax advantage, I'm talking about you get a tax deduction in the year you make the contribution. Right. You get tax-free growth, meaning these assets as they are growing because you build them up and they potentially have the opportunity to go invest them in mutual yep. funds. I use personally like some Vanguard funds mm -hmm. and things like that. They get tax-free growth. You use them for medical expenses. It's tax-free distribution. That's triple tax advantage. That's powerful stuff. That gets me so excited. And this is the super HSA that I, strategy that I tell people about all the time, and I do this myself. I do not, I make the contributions, the maximum contribution each year for my family. I think in 2019, I think it went up to $7,000 a year. Yeah, I it's think. right around there. So I don't take any distributions from my health savings account. And people are like, wait a minute. But you have medical expenses and you have money in the account. Why aren't you using the money in the account to pay for your medical expenses? Because I like the ability to let those assets grow. I love compounding interest. So if I can take triple tax advantage, sprinkle a little compounding interest in there, it's magical. Because let me tell you how this plays out. What you do is, is you are not, you are building up medical expenses. I just went to the dentist last week, kept my receipts. And what I do is I scan those receipts in for what I had to pay right. out of pocket into my HSA folder. Yep. And I put it by year and I put details. I have supporting documents. And I've been doing this for the last few years. There's a 2017 HSA file. There's a 2018 HSA file. There's now a 2019 HSA file. And I, every year when I make my maximum family contribution, I then immediately go and invest that money mm -hmm. into a balanced mutual fund that has 
good growth, but it's somewhat conservative in case I need to actually have access to right. the money. And then my goal is, is you know, there's no limit on this. If you go look at the tax code, you could do this. Now, I have a plan. I'm going to probably do it five years, seven years, maybe 10 years. I haven't figured out exactly when. But I will go and add up all those medical expenses for maybe two years, three years. I haven't figured out how much I want to do. Go get reimbursement. But realize that account has grown. Yep. So potentially I will have put in, let's say, $15,000 of HSA contributions. But that $15,000 might now be worth $25,000. I'm going to go get reimbursement on, say, let's just say $15,000. I will go pull that $15,000 out. But 15 minus 25 does not equal zero. That's right. It equals 10. So I will still have $10,000 that will be working, that will just be growth, and that fifteen thousand I pulled out will be completely tax free. That's exactly right. It's a huge planning opportunity. We're amazed all the time that we see folks who have access to HSAs to their employers and they're not taking advantage of it. So make sure uh, as you are talking to your employers, as you are thinking about open enrollment, whenever that is throughout the course of the year for you, if you have a health savings option or if you're in a high deductible plan, it's something you should absolutely be looking at. Uh, I know we've already talked about this, but I think it's worth repeating again, especially for my clients or, or listeners or money guy family members who are retired, mm-hmm. who are at the age where they, meaning they're over 70 and a half and have to take required minimum distributions, yep. and they don't pay much in state income taxes. In other words, they're probably taking advantage of the standard deduction, but they're charitably inclined. This is where the qualified charitable distribution makes complete sense. And I'm even doing this, I don't think my mother-in-law would mind me sharing. She's doing this yeah, because I love the strategy the is because here's, here's what happens in the way this logistically works. You get to give the money to your charity, meaning that you will take a distribution directly from your IRA mm-hmm. or 401k custodian. It goes directly to your qualified charity. Yep. Now, you will still get a 1099 from your, your custodian, but that money gets excluded from your income, meaning right. you did not have to count that money that went directly to the charity as income to you. That's going to help you out. And when you're retired, that's going to help you out in the fact that potentially your Social Security is not going to be as taxed as high. Potentially your Medicare premiums are not going to be as high because all that stuff goes into account on how taxable your Social Security is, how high your Medicare premiums are. All that is grouped together. So that's gone. I mean, or it is impacted yeah, by it, I should say. That's exactly right. And one of the things that we've talked about, and we've, we've kind of thought through this, and I don't want to speak too, too early on this because we, we've thought a lot about this, and I don't know that we've caught it completely. There are going to be situations where you might be in the exact same position if you were to do a QCD versus just take the money and give it to charity. But we have not been able to think of a scenario or come up with a scenario where the QCD is not more advantageous or where it's not at least as much advantageous. So if you're someone who's over 70 giving to charity, even if it may not make your situation better, it certainly won't make it worse. So we think it makes sense for everyone in that realm to start thinking about QCDs. It's a great planning opportunity. Um, That leads to tax credits. Bo. You got two kids, two uh, little ones. That's exactly right. Tell, tell them what you get excited about with, with the new tax legislation. Yeah, so you used to get really excited when you had a, had a kid because you get a personal exemption, right? You get extra life in there, and that would, you know, that's one of the reasons they want to, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about having a kid in like early January, you try to like really get that kid out in late December because you get an extra deduction for that. Well, in addition to the personal exemption that we used to have that went away, there was this thing called the child tax credit that for every one of the kids that you had, there was a $1,000 credit 
credit that you would get if, if your income qualified that would help be a direct credit to your taxes. So it was hugely valuable. Well, two things that are really, really excited happened in 2018. One, the child tax credit doubled. It went from $1,000 per child to $2,000 doubled per That's child. That's huge. Doubled. doubled. Uh, the second thing is there used to be an income exemption on who actually got it. Or a phase out. Uh, uh, income phase out. Yep. And if your income for a single individual was $75,000 or for a married individual is $110,000, you began to not qualify for the child tax credit anymore. So there, a lot of the population fell out of being able to get that. Well, they actually increased the limits to now you're a single individual that can make up to 200000 or as married couples, you can go up to 400000 Booyah! I'm telling you, that is big tax deductions so right there. If you're a higher income individual and you have two or three kids and maybe you used to not get the child tax credit, you potentially could have gone to where now you have two, four, six thousand dollars of child tax credit available to you. Now remember, I, get, I, I threw a little cold water on you guys earlier and said, look, the new tax code does not allow personal exemptions. And that, that's sad because, you know, those were exemptions that you were lowering your income for each child or dependent that you had by three to $4,000 per child. Right. Um, but here's the thing. That's a deduction. Those exemptions worked as deductions, mm -hmm. meaning that you'd have to take the amount you deducted, multiply it by your tax rate, and that would actually be your net tax benefit. That's right. With a credit, guys, credits are worth a lot more than deductions. Right. It's dollar for dollar tax savings. So when you say it went from a thousand to two thousand dollars, just that, the tax that's bill. huge. I'm telling you, this is more powerful. And then pushing that income limit up to two hundred thousand for single families, four hundred thousand for, for married. That's right, guys. That is massive. So I think that that really takes the sting off of doing away with the personal exemption. So think about that. These child tax credits are legit, and that's a huge benefit for a lot of people out there with children. That's right. Um, let's talk about the rest of the return. I got this last week. This is my journal of accountancy. You uh, see what's on the cover of it. Of course you get the Journal of Accountants. You're not, of you're, I'm a CPA. You're not technically an accountant anymore. You're like a remnant of what once oh, was an oh. accountant. Did you just say I'm not an accountant anymore? I'm just saying. It's not like... Is, was that offensive? Is that a big deal? Is that something... All the CPAs out. I'm going to get so much hate but mail for that. But when you retire, when you retire, if you... Like, my mother was a teacher. <laughs> you said She did it for three, you know, four going on four decades. She retired. Is she no longer a teacher? I want you to tell no, our like listeners, I'm, look at the camera I'm, and tell all of our retired people, our pilots out there who, who navigated, they were in the military and then they, you know, drove big commercial planes. They're now retired. They work with us. Are they no longer pilots anymore? I'm not going to answer that question. I'm just I think we've answered the question. So I am still a CPA. You can go check out the license and my journal of accountancy that comes with my CPA <laughs> membership. The front cover here is QBI qualified business income guys and we we reached out to some of our tax preparers because even though i'm not doing taxes anymore i still got connections you're in still, the cpa universe you're still down i got it so so i still speak their language we reached out to them and we said what's the biggest things you're noticing as you're getting into ta 2018 tax prep season and i kid you not i even i, I even wrote it down here um the quote was oh gosh where's the quote it was. He said the. He said what. Uh, well, uh, what the one I know you're talking about says the tax savings I've seen have been enough to knock you over. That's when what it, comes it was. To QBI. They're knocking you over. Here it is. The tax savings I've seen have been enough to <laughs> knock you over. When you hear an accountant get excited, it says it knocks you over. There's two things that get accountants excited. When you go to conferences and there's free booze, 
That obviously. Uh, CPAs who are very price conscientious love free booze. And then the second thing is, is when you hear them say these savings will knock you over. For So for a lot of small business owners. It's going to be big. This 20%, because that's what QBI is, is 20% deduction off of your qualified business income. Now, I will tell you, there is a laundry list. I opened up this article. It's probably, I took the sheet of paper out because I gave Morpheus a document out of here. This, this thing will put you to sleep. But there were so many, <laughs> there were so many caveats to the QBI that, guys, you're going to need to make sure you talk to somebody to work you through it because there are some carve-outs um, for qualified business income, including special service business. Bo, yeah. who does that impact? Uh, it impacts us. Uh, it, <laughs> well, it impacts us. us. I know but selfishly I know we look at ourselves, but who else does it uh, impact? It, it impacts those uh, in the following fields. Healthcare, law, accounting, actuarial services, performing arts, consulting, athletics, financial services, brokerage service, or any other trade or business that relies on the reputation or skill of one or more of its employees. That kind of stinks. So it's pretty encompassing in terms of who this is. And so, you know who they didn't carve out? Real estate. <laughs> mm-hmm. We know, we know, we know how things are buttered up there in Washington. I get it, but they, they carved out all you professional athletes. You got stuck. So there's a few things you need to think about when it comes Entertainers, to... Entertainers, you got stuck too. So, Brad Pitt, you got stuck. So Mark there, Wahlberg, you got stuck too. So there's a few things you need to take... Dave Ramsey. So there's a few things you need to think about when it comes to QBI. One of them is what field that you work in. Are you someone uh, who works in one of these excluded fields? But the other is there is an income threshold. Below a certain income, it doesn't matter as much. In between, the rock got stuck too. One income and another, <laughs> it does matter. And then over the income, it completely goes goes out the door. And so, if you are below the phase out range, it's uh, three hundred and twenty one thousand to four hundred and twenty one thousand dollars for married. You don't have to worry about if you're in one of these qualified service industries because you will still qualify for the twenty percent pass through. Uh, it's one hundred sixty thousand to two hundred ten thousand for single individuals or head of household. If your income starts getting into those higher ranges, again, it starts at 321 for married, 160 for single, it gets a lot more complicated. If you're someone who's been doing yourself repairing and you've been doing your own return for a number of years, and you are a small business owner, you have a side hustle, or there's some flow through income that's coming your way, it might not be horrible in this first year to think about working with a professional just to make sure you don't get this wrong. Because getting this wrong can have some really big implications on how much tax you pay in 2018. Um, I wanted to say one more thing besides Miley Cyrus is probably going to get stuck on this too. Dolly Parton, she's going to get stuck by this. I mean, anybody who is based upon their specialty skill set Pretty much our elected officials looked at us and go, we don't care if you employ a lot of people, you don't get this 20%. So we'll, I'll move on. There's a little bitterness that you can probably I, sense I, it from it. It's so funny. I didn't pick that up. I do think in all seriousness, when I talked to this tax preparer, the CPA that we're friends with, who's part of the Money Guy family, and he was telling us that, this, that these deductions are looking so good that it knocked him down. It did make me wonder, because I'm always, guys, you want to know what makes you a good investor, what makes you, besides being doing it consistent and often and creating and locking it in so where you're saving automatically, it's also, it is reading the tea leaves to at least understand what market things might be occurring. And I wrote it down here, Bo, in the show notes, is does this create a small business ripple effect for future growth? Hmm. I mean, if every one of these small business owners that's not Molly Cyrus or The Rock or, you know, all the other Coldplay people that you know. or everybody else that's out there 
do they, when they get that little bit extra bump, when they get their taxes, because we know, look, when the tax rate went down to 21% on corporate America, the stock market was pretty excited sure. about that. But does the same thing happen when Main Street realizes that there might be a little bit extra in their tax refund? Because you wouldn't know that until we now started working through the 2018 tax prep season. I got excited about that. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I think I think a lot of folks know that there have been changes. I think a lot of folks know that those changes might hit them. If I'm somebody in a salt state, if I'm somebody in a certain income range with kids, or if I'm a small business owner, I don't think that most people have a full grasp on just how it's going to hit them. But it is so complicated, so complicated that it's the head story in my, my, my journal of accountancy is that I don't think, even though people think they're hopeful that they might get a deduction on their mm-hmm. on their tax return for their business, sure. they have no idea how big it will be. That's right. So that's it exactly will be right. interesting to see the if it's a shock and awe moment mm-hmm. that creates a ripple effect that's good, or if it fizzles out. It, yep. will, it remains to be seen. I did want to throw out one more planning opportunity, because a lot of you guys, um, when you do your taxes, we've got a lot of big changes that are going on from 2017 to 2018. You might realize if you had a good income year that you had an underpayment penalty. And those are my least favorite. When I see, penalty, when I see the annoying. word penalty, that, that's not good. Taxes already are bad enough. We, our favorite uncle, I feel like, gets a pretty good clip oh, yeah. of what, we're, what we've got coming in. But then when you find out that he wants to put a penalty on top of that, 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 that's it's not, not good. good. That, it's not good you, at all. you need to stay out of that zone as much as possible. So I always tell people if you have bonus income or year end income or maybe just one transaction that came in and you and now you file when you file your taxes that you you kind of crossed over that threshold where you had an underpayment penalty. Talk to your prepare your tax preparer or maybe your tax preparation software because ninety percent of you, according to the IRS, are using tax preparation software whether it's through a paid preparer or doing it yourself. See if you can't do something to minimize or even do away with that underpayment penalty. A good tactic that I used a ton when I was preparing taxes was, is what's called annualizing your income, mm-hmm. where you would actually, especially if that underpayment was caused by a big bonus, you right. got a year end. If you showed that that income came in right at the end of the year, it would, could reduce how that penalty was calculated mm-hmm. because it wasn't an underpayment throughout the year. It was only at the very end yep. of the year. So pay attention to those type of planning tidbits. And maybe your situation's gotten complicated. This is one of those things where we have people who are trying to figure out, do I need to hire a CPA? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, look, coming from a background of preparing taxes for close to two decades, mm-hmm. I think that CPAs add a lot of value. But this is also where maybe, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, a personal financial advisor right. does not get to take advantage of QBI might be your best friend trying to figure <laughs> out how to make the best decisions with your personal finance. I mean, who else in the world do you know that goes and gets so excited that they print out PDFs to put on the screen that print out PDFs? Now, I'm killing just as many trees as the IRS <laughs> is, but I literally, if you could have seen when I was doing show prep over the last few days, guys, I was yelling through the walls at Bo. I was like, oh my God, Bo, you, you're not going to believe these forms. They're completely different. We got so excited about it. You deserve to have somebody in your financial life that gets that That's excited right. about something as nerdy as what the IRS has done with their tax filing forms. You know, you said something, Brian, that I thought was so great. You're talking about underpayment penalties. And if you are someone who's been subjected to an underpayment penalty, you might want to make an adjustment. I'm going to throw one other thing out there. We've had a lot of clients who've asked us, they said, look, guys, I know that the tax laws changed in 2018. Should I go ahead and start adjusting my withholding? Should I change my estimates? And our thought has been, 
hold off. Yeah. We don't really know exactly what the numbers are going to look like. Now, once you file your 2018 return, if you are someone and you get a big refund, and it's likely that that thing that caused you to get a big refund in 2018 is likely to carry forward into future years, you might be someone who does want to consider making some adjustments because as exciting as big refunds are, in reality, they're yeah. kind of just like interest-free interest -free loans, loans to the government. Exactly right. So if you are someone who gets that come tax time, think about may maybe would I rather spend this money or save this money or get this money working for me a little more throughout the course of the year than waiting till April to get it back. So guys, check us out, moneyguy.com. If you like the new studio, if you're one of the, you might be listening, you've been listening to the podcast for 13 years and you go, wait a minute, I've heard these guys talk about this YouTube. Guys, this is the time to go check out the new studio. Definitely go check us out. You can go to moneyguy.com, go check us out on YouTube and just type in Money Guy and Money Guy Show, it'll show up. You, you look like you have a new idea to show. No, no, it's not a new idea. I'm just so excited because what we, what we always do after these live streams is we do this Q&A and I'm yeah. just sitting here going through my head we're about to have all we because we have super you guys are the smartest of the smart out there listening i'm so excited about what our questions are going to be today about the 2018 tax law changes because it's just going to be fun to see yeah. see where it goes and see how that conversation so tune goes. into the live cast too i mean our live streams are a lot of fun um you'll see i mean here's what you guys don't know we don't edit the show a lot, but today's <laughs> show, because it's in a brand new studio, there is one or two major edits that occurred. Because we normally, we, we hit record and we rip. We let it rip. But today, if you watch the live show, you got to see one or two fumbles where we required us to actually hit the pause button. But there's no pause from the live stream. So if you like, if catching people doing embarrassing things is your thing, you need to be hanging out with us for the live stream because we try to make it fun. But in all seriousness, moneyguy.com. Make sure you give us your email address because we have great deliverables on this type of content. And also, you can get into our archives. All we want to do is have this abundant cycle where you grow, become successful. When you get to the point that you say, you know what? I have built a tremendous amount of assets here. I'm starting to get worried. What do I not know? And am I at the point that I might screw this up? Give us the opportunity to pay us back by letting us look over your shoulder and tell you where you are with your personal finances. Once again, I'm Brian Preston, your host with Mr. Bo Hansen. Welcome to the Franklin, Tennessee studio, and we'll be back soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. Mm -hmm.